people, I think it's been pretty accurate. Definitely done my fair share of psychiatry work. <laughs> I've prescribed a few pills, you know. Crime and me. Welcome to this week's episode of Crimeny. We're your host, Matt and Angela, and we are sorry for this late episode, but things happen and we are doing the best we can. Yeah, life gets crazy. Life tends to get in the way. All right, so this week <laughs> we have some more fucked up things to tell you, and I'm excited to tell you horrible things. I'm pretty sure that you know this story. Okay. But... It's uh, it's a doozy. Okay. 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 So I got my information from law.justia.com. Oh, I just want to say, okay, last night I had a really horrible dream. And I thought it was like a really bad omen in my life. But then I realized that I've been reading all these library books that are about murder. And I was like, well, it could just be related to that. So hopefully nothing like terribly wrong happens in my life that my dream like predicted. What was your dream? I had a dream that there were a bunch of dead owls. Okay. Okay. You're all like... I'm like thinking that you're like dreaming that you're like being murdered and stuff. And you're like, this is like a bad omen. And then it's like... A dead owl is a bad omen. Like six dead owls. Six bad owls. That's got to be like at least (laughs) something really bad might happen to me. I'm just saying. Were you like watching the staircase or something with the owl? No, I've been reading. No, I've just been reading like books. Owl books? No, they don't even have to do with Mm. owls. (gasps) (laughs) (laughs) Shit. Well, I'll just be avoiding you for the next year. You probably should. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, you know what? Oh, in the middle of the night, I think I heard an owl because one sometimes hangs out around here. So I think I heard one and then, you know, murder an owl together yeah, in my dream. Yeah, that'll do it. Murder okay. owls. Okay. Yeah, okay. Well, glad Sorry, we figured ahead. that out. <laughs> I am. I feel relieved. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Okay. okay. My information is from law.justia.com, Wikipedia, criminallyintrigued.com and LA Times. All right. So, on September 29th, 1978, in Berkeley, California, a group of hitchhikers were waiting by the side of the road in the hopes of catching a ride to their various destinations. Among those waiting was a 15-year-old girl named Mary Vincent. Even though she was just 15, she was no stranger to hitchhiking. Now, hitchhiking was pretty common back then, days before Uber and all those things, and, you know, before a lot of the horror stories of hitchhiking. And this is basically one of them. (laughs) So, you know, Mary was... I read on one article that she was trying to get to her grandfather's place in Corona, California, which is between Riverside and Anaheim down south, and also... Anything named Corona now, just unfortunate. We're going to have to change oh all my those God. things. Yeah, that really sucks. <laughs> like at the beginning when no one was buying Corona yeah. beers. And they were like, oh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> sucks for you. Too bad your beer sucks too. Yeah. <laughs> um, so like one story said that she was 
trying to go to her grandfather's place down there and, and, and other stories didn't mention that. They just mentioned that like she apparently was from Vegas and kind of like hitchhiked throughout California and she was a dancer. And so one of the... She's a, she's a child. She's a child, yes. But she was also like a pretty, pretty good dancer and... I guess she had done some dancing in Vegas and maybe like in like LA. she has a career right she now. She was trying to start a career. Okay. And she had like a dance teacher who was like kind of setting things up for her, I guess. Okay. But also that she didn't necessarily like get along with her parents very well, so she was just constantly mm. like hitchhiking, sleeping in abandoned cars or unlocked oh God. cars. That's so stressful. Yeah, because I guess like her mother was a blackjack dealer in Vegas and her dad was part of the National Guard or something. And I think they were going through a divorce at this time. So she was just kind of mm-hmm. like, I'm out. You guys are crazy. I'm doing my own thing. I'm going to be a dancer. Yeah. But yeah, basically she was just trying to get a ride from the Bay Area to Southern California, which could be up to an eight-hour drive depending on who's driving. So she was looking for a ride. Like, I mean, I'm assuming she was... As a hitchhiker, you kind of assume, like, I'll get a ride from this town to this town and then get another one from this town to this town. Yeah, you never know how far you can go. Yeah, I mean, most people that are just driving around aren't like, oh, I'm going all the way down to L.A. Right. Um, But, again, hitchhiking was common practice, and she felt pretty comfortable with herself, and she'd she'd done it a million times. So when a van... Well, that reminded me. Mm-hmm. One of, okay, one of Zachary's friends is like, oh, yeah, I'm going to be in California. Like, in a couple of weeks, you should come visit me. And he's like, oh, yeah, cool. Where are you going to be? And he's like, down in LA. And he's like, you do realize it would take me, like, minimum eight hours to go meet you, right? Yeah, that's not a visit. <laughs> that's like, we have to plan a journey. It's you like have to plan so a journey. Far. <laughs> yeah, so far. Yeah, so far. a huge state. It's so long. Huge. So, when a van pulled up with an older guy in his 50s in the driver's seat, she thought nothing of it. His name was Lawrence Bernard Singleton, a former merchant seaman. (laughs) 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 Boy, what a seaman he was. What a waste. Some of the other hitchhikers allegedly... Some of the other girls kind of told her, like, maybe she shouldn't get in that van with that guy because they got kind of creepy vibes off of him. But, you know, she's a 15-year-old. Yeah. And she knows it all, and she felt comfortable because she had done it a bunch, and he, yeah. he seemed like he was nice. And he even told her that he would take her the whole way, even though it was uh, out of his way, which is, like, uh, a huge red flag. Like, how much out of your way? Well, considering that he lived in San Pablo, which is like a 20-minute drive from Berkeley, uh, uh-huh. I would say about an eight to nine-hour drive out of the way. Uh-huh. So Yeah, kind of like one of those things where it's not a trip down there that most people would be willing to take. No. Just to no. drop you off. That is a lot of gas money and a lot of time. Yeah, yeah. So she climbed into the passenger seat, and they oh. headed east on 80. Trust your instincts, everyone. If your instincts say no, don't do I it. I know, but her instinct said it was okay. So. But the other one said it wasn't. I know, but when you're 15, <laughs> you don't think anyone else knows better but you. You feel more invincible. Especially because she had are. done it a million times. She knew, you know, she she felt comfortable. Yeah. Like she'd gotten into a bunch of people's cars and they nothing had gone wrong. Yeah. 
So he said that he needed to stop at his house to get some things, and she was okay nope. with that. So another red flag. Yep. So they drove oh. from Berkeley to San Pablo, which I said, like I said, is like a fifteen minute, twenty minute drive. I mean, if you're her though, and you're like, well, he wasn't planning on driving all yeah, the way down there. He probably things. does need some yeah. stuff. Exactly. Yeah. Maybe he was like, oh yeah, I, you know, I can. I've been planning on going down to LA at some point. I can go all the way down there. I might as well go now. I'm sure he had lots of excuses. Mm. So they went into his house, and I guess like. You know, it's the 70s. She smoked a few cigarettes in his house while she was waiting for him. Mm-hmm. And then he was ready to go. So they get back in the van and they start driving down 80 towards Interstate 5, which goes north to south. Mm-hmm. And somewhere along the way, Mary was comfortable enough that she kind of dozed off. Mm-hmm. And when she woke up, she noticed that they had passed the Interstate 5 turnoff and were headed to Nevada. Uh- Oh. Uh, Mary learned that he had a house in Nevada and he made excuses that it was like an honest mistake. Like he was just on autopilot driving. Yeah. So, oh, whoops, I missed that exit. And she was like, uh, we need to go turn around because you missed the five. And he was like, oh, you're right. Okay. So he turned around and they headed back and then they finally got onto the, onto the I-5 and headed south in the right direction. Some time had passed, and they both needed to use the bathroom, so he... Do you think he did that because he didn't think that she was going to notice? Yeah. Okay. Probably. I mean, okay. she's this little girl. Right. She doesn't know, uh, you know, according to him. Well, and she's sleeping. And she's, sleeping. she's not going to, like, recognize, right. even though they look like very different highways. Yeah, but if you're also, if you're 15 and you're not a driver, you might not know that. I mean, it, I mean, I wouldn't have paid attention no. to that. I didn't even know where I was going, like, in our hometown. <laughs> I had no idea. <laughs> I got lost there all the time. Right. Yeah. So uh, he had to pee, or they both had to pee, so he pulled the van over to the side of the road, and they both got out, and... They peed or whatever, and then um, Mary noticed that her shoe was untied, and according to one source, it said that she got some kind of weird vibes from Lawrence, and she, when she noticed yeah. that her shoe was untied, she decided that she better tie them up in case she has to run. Oh. So she bent down to tie her shoes, and that's when Lawrence, the loser... Uh-huh. Hit her in the back of the head with a hammer. Oh. He then threw her into the back of the van and tied her hands up. And then he tore her clothes off and he raped her. Oh. Then he got back into the driver's seat and drove into a canyon and parked. He again brutally raped Mary multiple times. She asked him to set her free. Instead, he forced her to drink unknown liquor until she passed out. <gasps> When she woke up, she was being dragged away from the van. Mm, This whole thing is awful. Oh, it gets worse. Mm. He decided that since she could identify him, she was going to have to die. Mm -hmm. But he didn't want to just shoot her in the head or anything that would end it quickly. He wanted to have some fun. He wanted her to suffer. How do people like this exist? (laughs) They do. They do. How they do. It's so Ugh. fucking weird. How and why. And they do. And they do. He got her onto the ground, and before she knew what was happening, 
he pulled out a hatchet and swung it down on her left arm just below her elbow. <sighs> oh my God. Mary, in shock at what had just happened, didn't really register the severity of the situation until she looked at her arm and saw that <gasps> part of it was now missing. <sighs> and then she felt the excruciating pain. She then reached up with her right arm to grab his arm as tightly as she could to make him stop. Yeah, yeah. And he took another swing at her right arm. After his hatchet had sliced through her right arm, he began waving his arm around like, like he was trying to, like she couldn't figure out what he was doing. He was just waving his arm around. And then she looked and her arm that had sque been holding on to his arm was still like... <gasps> Grasping tightly, uh, detached from her body, oh grasping onto his arm, and he was trying to flick it off. Oh my God. Mary said she remembered feeling pain and shock, and she remembered how the blood spurting out of her felt hot. Yeah, you could bleed out so quickly. Yes. He then picked her up and said, You want me to set you free? I'll set you free. And he proceeded to toss her down the side of the road, 30 feet below. She... What is this guy's deal? She broke four ribs in the fall. Oh. He then got himself down there and stuffed her body into a drainage culvert. And then he told her she was free now. What the fuck? So pretty confident that she was dead and that her body would not be found for a very long time with no way to connect him to the murder... Loser Lawrence got back into his van and made his way to his Nevada home. Meanwhile, back in the culvert, Mary is going in and out of consciousness. Yeah. She's lost a lot of blood, but yes. she was very determined to survive. Oh, girl. Somehow, instinct took over and she covered her bloody stumps in mud. How? She just like rubbed him in mud. Yes, in an attempt to oh stop the bleeding. Yes. And it did manage to suppress the bleeding. Yeah. I don't know how you would even think to do that at 15. I, I didn't even think That's that you could do that. That's right resourceful. I don't know. That's amazing. Yeah. She got herself out of the culvert and began the climb to climb the 30-foot steep drop up to the road oh, my with God. no arms. And she's fading and, and out of consciousness. losing consciousness. Yes. Mm -hmm. mm -mm. But and four broken ribs, so you can't even yep. breathe. Mm -hmm. Yep, and she's naked. Mm. Mm -hmm. Somehow, though, she made it to the top, and oh she God. was able to get onto the road. And she began walking down the road, and she was holding her arms, or what was left oh of her arms, God. above her head so that. Yes. The blood and muscles so smart. wouldn't fall out. Yeah. Oof. Uh. So here's this naked 15-year-old child walking down a dark road in the evening covered in blood and missing two arms. After what seemed like forever, a convertible with four young people came down the road and Mary tried her hardest to stop them. But... I assume the sight of her scared the shit out yes. of them. And they... That's like a horror yes. film. And so they swerved around her and left. Oh, God. Yeah. They were like, not today. We're not... They didn't, like, call the... Like, stop somewhere nope. and call the police? They were terrified. Oh, my God. This poor girl. 
She like made uh-huh. it all the way up there, and she's like, "If I could just get someone to stop and help me, and like they won't stop." Yep. Oh, it sped up and went around her. So of course, Mary is starting to lose hope, but finally, another car approached her, and this time, two women in the car pulled over, and they were like, "Holy shit! What the fuck?" They got a blanket out, wrapped her up, put her in the car, okay. drove her to the hospital. Luckily, somehow, against all odds, Mary Vincent survived her vicious attack and was able to provide a detailed description of Lawrence to detectives and a composite sketch was made. That will to survive. Oh, my God. Yeah, she remembered every detail, everything. Oh, my God. The sketch was so accurate that it took like 10 days and one of Lawrence's neighbors recognized it immediately and called the police. (sighs) His house in San Pablo was searched, and investigators found Mary's cigarettes in the house, as well as what a... Did, yeah? Do you know if, like, neighbors kind of, like, thought he was weird any... Like, was there kind of... I don't, I don't know. Because if you were, like, to look at a picture, and you're like, that looks kind of, like, a lot like my neighbor, would you call it in? I mean, yeah, I'm sure a lot of people do. Like, that's why they get tons of tips on different pictures, and they just yeah, have to I filter guess. through who the actual people are. That's so crazy. Um, So they found her cigarettes in his house, and then they also found what appeared to be remnants of burnt clothing that looked like they belonged to her. So Mm -hmm. we possibly, like, went back to San Pablo and then went to Nevada. Right. In Nevada, Lawrence cleaned out his van with the help of a neighbor. He removed the carpets and scrubbed the inside and outside of the van completely. Uh Uh-huh. And then a few days later, he tried to kill himself with an overdose of sleeping pills. But failed? Yeah, fucking coward. They always fail. Mm-hmm. <laughs> also, do that before you hurt someone else. You <laughs> yeah, know? kill yourself first. Thank you. Maybe be a little more successful at that yeah, before you try and hurt Work someone else. Work on that. <laughs> yeah. Perfect that first. Yeah, yeah get that yeah. in. Get that really, really nailed yeah, in. Yeah. Dial, Dial it in. Dial that in. Make sure you get yourself uh, <laughs> good and killed before you kill anyone else. <laughs> Yes, yeah. For real. For real, yeah. Pro tip to any murderers out there. Go ahead and kill yourselves. That'd be great. Thank you. Also, did you see that thing on Reddit that was like this picture, that was like a picture of like these rules listed out and it was like all the rules that women are told to like not get raped or whatever, but it was framed in like a way for like the rapist or it was like, Use the buddy system. If you think you're going to rape, bring a friend along who will tell you not to rape. Oh and like God. they had like all of them laid out where it was like, yes, finally. Yeah. Like, why are you putting it on the people who are being raped? Why not put it on the rapist? Yeah. Yeah. It was, I should have taken a picture. It was like so That's amazing awesome. where it's like, before you hurt someone else, just, just don't. Like, just stop. Just, just don't mean, do honestly, it. Honestly, just fucking kill yourself. You'd be doing the world a if favor. If that was your plan anyway. Yeah. Ugh, All rapists and murderers, just go ahead and kill yourself. That'd be great. Just stop hurting people. Okay. So, soon after, the Nevada police got word from the California police that Lawrence was wanted for attempted murder. So, the Nevada police took him into custody. Um, Mary Vin- Just two weeks after the attack, Mary Vincent was given prosthetic arms, which she had to learn to use. Yeah. Along with therapy. Yes. Only six months after her brutal attack, Mary would face Lawrence in court. The trial was moved to San Diego County because of the publicity. You know, didn't think they would get a, he would get a fair trial. He doesn't deserve a exactly. fair trial. 
Lawrence's testimony was not heard in court. Also, how are you going to get a fair trial anywhere? Like, you just see this girl and you're like, fucking guilty. <laughs> like, no way. Put him to death. Guilty as fuck. Seriously. But his testimony was not heard in court, but he did make statements to police officers. And mm -hmm. for those statements, his story and Mary's story matched up in the beginning. You know, like, she was hitchhiking, I picked, her, I picked up. her up, we went to my home, and then mm -hmm. we got back in the car, and I was going to drive her. Right. But he said that after he... She caused it? Well, no, not not necessarily, but oh. after they left the Bay Area, he picked up two more hitchhikers. Oh. <laughs> men. Oh, mm-hmm. And... He's just, like, a really nice guy who just, like, picks up all the hitchhikers. Yeah. He said that their names were Larry and Pedro, which Larry is a nickname for Lawrence. Uh-huh. And I don't know about Pedro, but I mean, okay, okay, <laughs> convenient. He said that they all stopped at a bar and got some quote-unquote dope, which I'm thinking he's talking about weed because he said that they smoked the dope and drank, uh -huh. and then they all stopped in the canyon for the evening. He said the two men paid Mary for sex, even though she's fucking 15. This is quite the tale. Okay. He then said that sometime during this, when the guys were paying her for sex, that he got kind of sleepy, and he went and took a nap in the van. And then when he woke up, he found Larry driving the van back towards San Francisco. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah. And okay, so he was asleep the whole time. He, he was just being a nice he guy. He was just through picking, them getting back into the van, yeah. starting up the van. Well, they had been smoking and dope away. and drinking, you know? Well, yeah, you know when you smoke weed, you just uh, excuse me, it's amnesia dope. hits. Dope. Oh, sorry. Yeah, smoking dope. Amnesia hits and you just yeah. mm -hmm. So he okay. wakes up and he finds Larry driving the van back towards San Francisco and Mary's car Mary's clothes were in the van, but Mary was not. And Larry apparently told Lawrence that Mary was on her way to L.A. <laughs> Don't worry. She'll be fine. She'll make it on her own. Yeah. And then Lawrence said that he ended up driving the two to San Francisco and left them there. And then he decided to, you know, go to his Nevada home for vacation. Okay. So he picks them up. They're all headed towards L.A. But then... They murder someone, or think they murder someone, and then they decide, oh, we'll just go to San Francisco instead. Well, he didn't say they murdered anyone. They said that she was on her way. She had gotten right, a ride right, from right. someone else, apparently. They dropped her off in some canyon, yeah. and she found her own and ride. she found a ride that was conveniently uh -huh. going down to L.A. Right. Yep. Okay. Well, you know. Good story. The court did not hear that story because they were like, that's... Not what happened, and that's a joke. We're Why? It's so realistic. Letting, we're not going to let the jury hear that. <laughs> it's so believable. So he was indicted on multiple counts, including forcible rape, forcible oral copulation, kidnapping, sodomy, mayhem, and attempted murder. Mayhem. He pled not guilty on all charges. Bullshit. Mary was able to recount every single detail. Wait, wait, wait. If that wasn't, if that wasn't allowed to be... His defense? What was his defense? They didn't say anything. Uh, why not take a deal at that point? I don't think he was offered a deal. Oh. <laughs> okay, good. Never mind. Yeah, so like I said, Mary was able to recount every single detail of what had happened oh, and was able to point 
with her prosthetic to Lawrence oh. and tell the court that he was the monster that had done these awful things to her. She described in great details what happened. After the trial, Lawrence, he tried to appeal like four different times. Stop wasting everyone's money. Yeah. He tried to appeal once saying that his, uh, based on his defense, never using his statements to the police. Right. He had no defense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But they were like, bro, your defense sucks. Like none of that is provable. And like, you're just going to make yourself look worse. And then he tried to appeal again once because they didn't apparently test to see if he was meant if he was a mentally disordered sex offender, which I guess maybe maybe would have like insanity. Please? I guess so. It didn't. It was more specific than that. But huh. I guess. Well, also the def if the defense was allowed to present his his defense like he wanted it then he probably could have like gotten away with ineffective counsel because they would have like exactly they would have been like why did you let him say yeah. this like that's fucking probably. ridiculous um but for, uh, as for the mentally disordered sex offender apparently one psychiatrist report stated that it was possible for him to meet the criteria but then another psychiatrist said that he appeared well-oriented, showed no signs of delusions, hallucinations, disturbances in memory or thought process. And furthermore, until his crime, he had no prior history of sex crimes. And I don't know what, how they would know this, but according to the court, he had a fairly normal sex life with violent episodes triggered by alcohol. They probably asked like past Maybe. partners or whatever. Um, okay, do you know if that still is a category that exists? I'm not sure, because this, this is in the 70s or like the early right. 80s. Right, and that sounds pretty uh, yeah. ridiculous. And secondly, I was going to ask, like, did he, he didn't have any history of violence or anything. It was just like this one. Right, he had no history of like arrests or violence that he was hmm. caught, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Okay, and then in another appeal, he argued that he shouldn't have been charged with forced oral copulation as a separate offense to the rape because he claimed that the oral was part of the rape and not a separate act. Oh, he said that it was... Oh, my God, it doesn't matter. He said that it it's, was, a, it's a separate offense. No, because he said that it was a means to commit the rape and sodomy. He said that oral was not, no. it, was, it was never used to achieve sexual gratification. Rather, it was no. just a means to achieve an erection. No, no that doesn't matter. <laughs> what a fucking ass. Right? Like, you're really grasping at straws here. And he's like, yeah, I did it. I'm not going to deny that. But, but it shouldn't be an offense, even though I, admit well, I shouldn't that have I did been it. charged separately for it. I should have just, it should have just been like, okay, part each of act is a separate offense. But it wasn't offensive because I was just doing it's it to like offensive. do this other offensive thing. I'm highly offended. <laughs> this is disgusting. God, yeah. what a fucking... And then you just think like, okay, that was a huge, serious crime. Yeah. That couldn't have been the first. No, exactly. That exactly. could not have been the first. And how violent and how like it mm -hmm. seemed like almost planned. But it's like the 70s, so I think that rapes were even more underreported than they are now. And now they're, like, severely underreported. But even then, like, I feel like they were more underreported. Sure, especially... So if he was starting with, like, rape and then escalated... Well, especially with people that are, like, hitchhiking and yeah. sex workers and... 
Yeah. People that like maybe. Well, anyone, because back in the 70s, I don't know, some places probably still had the law where like you can't rape your spouse right, or like, right. or, and the police were like not trained. They're super insensitive to it where they were like asking super inappropriate questions and it just like. Yep. It still happens to this day where they get, it's just like uncomfortable. And if it's not going to be tried anyway, like what's the point, you know? Well, what's worse is that this piece of shit actually got off pretty lightly with these horrific crimes. Yep, that's right. What did he get? He was sentenced to 14 years in prison, which at the time was the maximum amount for his crimes in California. How? Some kind of laws that California had okay, set up. Okay, so that's up. what I'm saying. Okay, so probably in the 70s, mm -hmm. rape probably didn't get much. You know, he probably got some, like, probation or maybe, like, a couple years. I don't know. Kidnapping should have got a whole lot more. And then, in the, and then the whole, like, and it still happens now where it's, like, attempted murder is, like, basically a yeah. slap on the wrist. Where it's, like, this person survived. Yeah. Had they, like, lost yeah. just a bit more blood and they would have died, then they could be sentenced yeah. to life or death. Like, that doesn't make any just sense. Just because you, of their will You chose to, to try and take away this person's life and they survived. Yeah. And then you don't. If anything, they should get tried for murder mm -hmm. and the person who survived should get, like, an award or some kind Seriously. of like accolations for accolades. I made up a word. Accolations for accolades. <laughs> for surviving. Like what the fuck? Something. I know. I hate that so much. I hate it. The judge said, if I had the power, I would send him to prison for the rest of his natural life. But like because of the laws. Why can't you do it like back to back to back? Like. I, I, they, I don't know the way they stacked it. Cause it, you're right. It was like, you know, what like, Oral, forced oral was like a year. Like the rape yeah. was like two years. The yeah. attempted murder was like 10 years. So it was just like he did put them back that to is back, but such it was bullshit. Yeah. And then because he got, uh, because he was in jail or whatever for X amount of time, he got like some time served. Yeah. Um, and then. And like good behavior and yep. shit. It's like, no. So no. Mary did win a $2.5 million civil judgment against Lawrence. But unfortunately, he's a piece of shit who's broken, unemployed, had bad health, yeah. and had about $200 to his name. So she got nothing. That's how it, that's how it usually happens. It's not really like, mm -hmm. you're not going to get that money out of nope. them. It's just more of like, a, you did this and... Not only that, but like... We all fucking know. If she hadn't... If her parents hadn't had health insurance for her, she would have been bankrupt mm. for all the medical bills that it took to yeah. get her back to health. Which this fucking country sucks balls. I will say this. I will say this. If you are assaulted, at least where I've worked in California, and you go to the hospital, that... You have to report it, though, and then that your costs will be covered. If they offer you anything in the ER, don't take it because it will be a lot more money than if you get it in the back. So just wait for, like, a nurse who is, like, part of the SART team to offer you, like, an Advil or an aspirin or whatever. Do not accept it in the ER. Mm. Like, wait till you get to the exam room because those are going to be covered if you report hmm. your assault. Well, that's good to know. And that's just for California. Things have gotten a little better, but I don't, yeah, I don't know where it is. I just hmm. know where I've yeah. worked. yeah. They will be covered, but that's the problem: is you have to report it, and if you don't want to report it, then you're you're gonna have to pay those fees. It's Ugh, just like so bullshit. Fucked. Yeah, it is. Well, <laughs> if you think that's bad, Lawrence was released from prison after serving only eight years of his sentence. Okay, that should never happen for a case like this. Yep, 
And just like you said, he was able to reduce his sentence with good behavior. He shouldn't have been allowed to get good behavior. Uh -huh. And by working as a teaching assistant in the prison classroom. <gasps> Why was he even offered that, like, opportunity? No idea. What the fuck? Even though his psychiatrist in the prison said, quote, because he is so out of touch with his hostility and anger, he remains an elevated threat to others, to yes. others' safety inside and outside prison. Nevertheless, he was paroled to Contra Costa County since he had been at San Quentin. Oh, my God. But no town or city in the county would let him stay. Every yeah. place that he moved to, the whole town would erupt in giant protests and basically, like, Officers would have to come with like bulletproof gear and nobody wants him yeah. and nobody wants the responsibility yep. of like a, a seriously dangerous person in their town. Yeah, so the police would have to go escort him, put him in some bulletproof vest, escort him to the next town. Why don't you just lock him up forever? Well, then uh, the governor of California at the time ordered him to be placed in a trailer on the grounds of San Quentin until his <laughs> one year long parole was up. That's right. And then what? And then, after his year of parole, for almost murdering someone, disfiguring them, and brutally raping them multiple times... Oh, my God. A child. He, uh, he was able to go move to Florida. <laughs> oh, fuck. Mm -hmm. Florida, that sucks. Okay, that, okay, so... His one year of probation... Mm -hmm. Parole. Of parole is on the prison grounds. Yep, because no one else. He's not gonna be able to fuck up yeah, there. No one else would take him. That's basically him being in prison. That doesn't count as parole. Yep. He's a, he's living in a trailer on the grounds. Mm -hmm. So of course Mary was terrified when he got out. Yes. And she constantly moved from town to town, oh. always looking over her shoulder. She even had um, a friend who she allegedly dated at one point. Okay. She has a life sentence. Yep. She doesn't have her arms. Yep. That is a life sentence. Not only that, but and now this she, guy and gets eight years. She's in her arms, and she's terrified. Well, and the trauma, yeah. and the terror, and yep. everything. Like, and because she's con she's constantly thinking he's going to come back and finish the job, because she put, and that she, happened when she's fifteen. Yeah, because she put him away. So, and he spent less years yep. in prison. Yep. Mm. -mm. So, like I said, she had one of her friends who I guess she was also a partner at one point. Um, he followed her around as a bodyguard. He, like, trained mastiffs Aww. for, like, um, guard dogs and stuff. And yeah. they lived together in, like, this little area that was surrounded by chain link fence with, like, barbed wire and, like, the dogs Aww. out in the yard and everything so she would feel protected. Um, and during, so, yeah, during the time that he was out... She had had a few relationships. She got married to some guy, and they eventually divorced. Um, but she managed to have two children, two sons. And she said that her sons could always tell that she was on edge. Yeah. And they would always, like, offer her comfort and hugs and everything. And, like, they could Aww. tell that, you know, she was Kids are going through it. Yeah. But she said, like, they kind of gave her a purpose to, like, keep going yeah. and fighting for them. Um, and she was unable to pursue her dream of dance because in order to give what's left oh. of her arms more function, they had to take bits of her legs to be used <gasps> in her arms. Oh, yeah. God. So she couldn't dance anymore. Yeah, life sentence. Mm -hmm. 
So she ended up getting into art. She was she's working with chalk pastels, and she was creating quote powerfully upbeat. Uh, she was basically drawing powerfully upbeat women and female action figures, trying like empower nice. women. Yeah. And she also liked to tinker, and she made modifications to her prosthetics that actually helped her accomplish certain things, like doing art. And she made she made a prosthetic attachment for bowling. Ah. Yeah. Damn. And she is also a victim's advocate, and she was doing motivational speaking, like going to high schools and stuff and talking to kids about the dangers of hitchhiking and basically just mm-hmm. being smart about it. But... Unfortunately, kids are fucking assholes, and apparently some kids heckled her so badly that she stopped doing it. <gasps> what the fuck? Yeah. And because because the attack happened when she was 15, she yeah. didn't have really any skills, so she wasn't very employable. Um, she did go to school, I guess, later on for art, I think, and she's like, kind of an accomplished artist in her own way, but like she's still mm. pretty poor. She was living off of welfare and the kindness of others. Um, like I said, her medical bills luckily were covered by her parents' insurance, but if that weren't the case, she would be even more fucked. Mm-hmm. At one point, her and her boys were living in an abandoned Arco station in the winter with no heat. Oh, God. Yeah, so this poor woman just like, Mm. Fucked after fucked. In this sucks too. In 1990, she was in a minor car accident, and so like the other person's insurance paid her some money. Well, our fucking dumbass federal government was like, "Oh, looks like you got income, so we're gonna cancel your disability checks." <gasps> yeah, pieces of shit. I think just as bad as the murderers. Like fucking sending, basically sentencing her to, you know. Poverty, complete poverty, and she's oh got children. So she's got no money, no no arms. She's traumatized. And this terrible man basically got away with the horrific crimes. Um so obviously the sentence that Lauren got Lauren, the sent the sentence that Lawrence got caused a lot of outrage among people. Yes. And actually resulted in legislation supported by Mary Vincent that prevents the early release of offenders that have committed a crime in which torture is used. Good. And also um, in 1987, his parole led to the passage of California's Singleton Bill, which carries a 25 years to life sentence for, you know, things like that if there's torture involved. Okay, good. Um, And right before Singleton's parole ended, Donald Stahl, the Stanislaus County prosecutor at Singleton's trial said, I think if anything, he's worse now. He has not taken responsibility. He lives in a bizarre fantasy land and acquits himself each day. He doesn't accept his guilt and and won't resolve never to do it again. Anyway, so he's out and about, and, you know, do you think he uh, keeps keeps clean on the straight and narrow path? Why would he? Why would he? Of course not. After his release, like I said, he moved to Florida, where apparently he was from. 
1990, he was convicted of theft twice, once for stealing a $10 disposable camera, which he served 60 days for, and the other was for stealing a $3 hat, which somehow got him two years, which is like, he got okay, more time for stealing shitty little trinkets than he did. Here's, here's the thing. I'm not a fan of the three-strike law, no. but he would be the one yeah. that it would be like, yeah, he fucking deserves to spend the rest of his life in prison for stealing like a three dollar hat. Yeah. Fuck that guy. He should be in his, his whole life should be in prison anyway. Yep. yep. Fuck that guy. Fuck this guy. While he was being sentenced for the hat theft, he told the judge that he was just a confused, muddle-minded old man. Piece of shit. Poor guy. Didn't know any better. In the spring of 1997, so he's in Florida, a neighbor of his called the police to report that Lawrence was assaulting a woman in his home mm-hmm. in Sulphur Springs, Florida, which, side note, I bet that place smells like egg farts. God, it's got to smell awful. <laughs> <laughs> but I bet they have some cool hot springs. Probably. Probably. Just got to not breathe through your nose. Anyway... The neighbor said that he had seen a nude man covered in blood repeatedly stabbing a woman who lay motionless on a couch. He claimed, and I don't know how this is possible, but he claimed that he could hear the bones being crunched as Lawrence stabbed her. When police finally responded, they found the dead body of 31-year-old Roxanne Hayes. She had been stabbed multiple times in her upper body. What did they think was going to happen? <laughs> I have no idea. This poor woman, Roxanne, was a sex worker and mother of three, just trying to make some money so she could feed her children. She had just ended up with the wrong person. Apparently, Lawrence offered her 20 bucks for whatever they were going to do. He claimed that she tried to take more than 20 from his wallet and then a struggle started. He said that she was holding a knife to him and he had to wrestle it away and that she accidentally got stabbed over and over again. Oh, my God. Yeah, he hasn't had to take any accountability in the past. Why would he take it now? He claimed that he tried to kill himself, so he was put in a psychiatric hospital for a while before being sent to jail to await trial. Lawrence was again charged, or, well, he was again, you know, in custody, and this time he was charged with murder in Florida, and Florida does not fuck around with murder convictions. They do not. Mary Vincent traveled all the way from California to Florida to appear at his sentencing. Wow. She once again described in excruciating details what had happened to her many years ago, and she described... And, and she described the ordeal she had to go through and, you know, how it was still affecting and ruining her life. Mm-hmm. It took the jury four hours to come up with the decision to, sorry, it took the jury four hours to, con- to <laughs> why is that so hard to say? I don't know what you're trying to say even at this it point. It took the jury four hours to come to the decision of guilty. Mm-hmm. On April 14th, 1998, Lawrence Singleton was finally sentenced to death. Unfortunately, 
Nope. The state was unable to carry out the sentence because this piece of shit died on his own of cancer in the prison hospital on December 28, 2001. Many people believe that there are more victims out there and that yes. there is no way these two were his only victims. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yep. And that's yeah. the story of the brave Mary Vincent and the shitty, shitty, shitty Lawrence Singleton, the coward fucking piece of shit. I hate it. <laughs> I hate every bit of that story. Yep. It's terrible. It's terrible, but... I wanted I wanted to do one where someone survived, mm. <laughs> but she's basically trapped in her own purgatory she's because struggling. yeah she's struggling because her life was fucked up by this dude uh, yeah she had her who made a split second decision to kidnap a poor girl mm -hmm. and brutalize her and leave her for dead yeah yeah uh, I hated it good me too Thanks. you're welcome that was awful. <laughs> So, I think uh, the tossed salad and the scrambled egg. The tossed salad, a scrambled egg. The tossed salad. The tossed salad and the scrambled egg. A scrambled egg. So, a tossed salad is someone who clearly knows right from wrong and chooses to do wrong anyway. Right, so the tossed salad has more components. The person is able to compartmentalize. And a scrambled egg is someone who can't tell right from wrong, and they're just completely scrambled. Just one component, one track mind. They're all kinds of mixed up. There's no focus. They're disorganized. I think he wants to be a scrambled egg, but he's a tossed salad he's piece of not. shit. He's not, yeah. He is. He's, he just... He, he just it's not that he doesn't know that he's doing wrong. He just won't admit to it because he's a cowardly piece of shit. Yeah, so he's a tossed salad that wa that claims scrambled egg. He tries to, but no one's buying it. No, because he's horrible at coming up with excuses. Because he's a piece of shit salad. Piece of shit salad. Hated it. That was horrible. Um. Yeah. So, sorry yeah. about that, but... <laughs> It's a crazy story. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> this show is such a downer. <laughs> <laughs> well, you were hoping for a happy story? I was like having a good day, oh. and now I'm like depressed. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Uh, okay, cool. Here we go. Are you ready? Okay, I got my information from Oxygen, S-F-I-S-T, S-Fist. Oh, the S-F-Fist. S-F-Fist, yeah, that's it. Uh, a Forensic Fails episode and then Sack B. I'm just uh -oh, going to say I'm dedicating this episode to mom because she pushed me into doing it. She's oh. going to get mad that I said that. Mom I did it of my own pusher. free will. She's a pusher. She's but push mom kind of pushed a little. <laughs> so... You probably already know I'm going to do this one because she was like, she and dad both made a big deal about it because it was in the sack B, of course. Wow. So here we go. Mine well, also Are you sucks. happy with yourself, mom? Now you know the story. <laughs> you ruined the surprise. Okay. This one also sucks. So on July 3rd, 1986, 
29-year-old Barbara Ann Scott was found dead along a stretch of road in Contra Costa County. Holy shit. And now we're going to move on to another one. Uh, sometime after midnight on July 15th in 1986, 19-year-old Stephanie Brown took some friends home who lived in an area that she wasn't really familiar with. The friends told her to get on the I-5 heading uh -huh. north to get to her house. Okay, so we're basically telling the same stories. <laughs> but in different, <laughs> a different decade. Same, same areas, okay. Same areas. Crazy. Uh, California is a very dangerous place. I mean, we're huge, so we attract a lot of nuts. <laughs> okay, yeah, we're talking about this very specific area. <laughs> dangerous. Well, it is one of the most populated areas in California. That's true. So, yeah. <laughs> true that. Okay. So the friend told her to get on the I-5 going north. And then at some point, she must have accidentally made a wrong turn, uh -oh. which been there, done that so many times. But this is the 80s. You don't have, like, your cell phone with your GPS. And, you like pull out the you know. paper map if you brought one. Yeah, but it's dark. You got to get out your flashlight or you turn on your little ceiling light or whatever. I don't know. It's, like, a big <laughs> thing. So, so that, okay, so then that happened. She must have gone the wrong way. And then a fisherman walking on a remote trail outside of Sacramento, mm. hi, hi, found the semi-nude body of a young woman lying face down in an irrigation ditch. Ooh. Around her neck was a band of purple discoloration, which was a sign of strangulation. Right. She had been sexually assaulted, uh. but the DNA evidence was too degraded to test. Yeah. The body was that of Stephanie Brown. Fuck, what happened? Stephanie was a teller in a Sacramento bank. Uh -oh. And the day before she died, she had this like long, beautiful hair. And her mom remembers that she like came over to her house. They had dinner. She was like doing laundry or something. And then she like left and she said goodbye to her mom. Like, I love you. Goodbye. And then she had her hair like in a ponytail. But when the police found her, her hair was short. What? So they suspected that the killer must have cut it. Yeah. Which was weird. That is very weird. So the homicide detective assigned to the case was Ray Biondi. Uh -huh. He was, he was like, okay, the cutting of the hair, that's got to be some kind of like weird fetish. Like this dude's into cutting hair. And huh. he had never seen it before. And he's like a homicide detective in the Sacramento area. So, you know, he's seen a lot of homicides. <laughs> yep. Especially yep. in the 80s and 70s. Okay. Yep. We got a lot of that. So Stephanie's car was found 20 miles away from her body on I-5, headed in the opposite direction of her apartment. So it must have been headed south. The car was full of gas and operational. What? Okay. So police figured that she must have pulled over to find someone who could give her directions because she was obviously lost. She was going in the wrong direction. She had, like, not been in that area before. So she must have stopped to try and get someone to stop and, like, tell her where to go. How many people are you telling me about? <laughs> So this was two so far. The, okay, so Stephanie. Stephanie Brown is from was was in Contra Costa County, but she's no from, Stephanie. No, Stephanie was found on the I five outside of Sacramento. Okay. She was found outside of Sacramento on a remote trail. Her car was found on the I five. Barbara Ann Scott was found dead along a stretch of road in Contra Costa County. Okay. Okay. She had been found like they're both in July. Okay. So, Weird. Uh, okay, just one month later, on August 17th, 26-year-old Charmaine Sobra and her mother had been out to dinner and were headed home. Charmaine was the mother of three from Sacramento. 
she, her car broke down in a deserted stretch of I-5. So they like pull over and a man in a dark sports car, a good Samaritan, stopped and offered to help. Why does all this fucked up stuff happen on the I-5? Like everything I bad happens. I hate the five. It's so boring anyway. It's and so then like boring. so much shit and happens. so much murder and rape happening on the Just I-5. Just avoid the I-5. Jesus. <laughs> it's the fastest way to get north to south, but I'll take like back roads. I don't care. I hate the I-5. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like cursed. It is. It's so scary. Don't do it. Okay. He stops and he's like, oh, hey, I could take you to find a phone to call for help because obviously no cell phones. But I'm in a two-seater. It's a sports car. I can uh, only take uh, one of you. Oh, no. So Charmaine was like, okay, I'll go. Mom, you stay here with the car and I'll be back in just like a minute. I'll go and get help. Oh, no. That was the last time that she was seen alive. Fuck. That and poor mom is like kicking herself for life. Just feels so awful. So Charmaine's mother didn't get a clear picture of the man because it was dark. Yeah. And all she could say was that he was a white man in his 40s with a large nose and pale skin. Ugh, God. And you're not, I mean, like, when you meet people and, like, you don't really, like, memorize their face, you know, like, Mm -hmm. in passing and it's dark and it's, like, someone there to help you. You just kind of let your guard down and you're like, okay, cool, like, thanks. You don't, you're not, like, memorizing his face and his license well, plate. Well, and you're on this, like, isolated stretch of I-5. It's like, if he doesn't help me, then who will? We're going to yeah. be here for, like, hours. There's yeah. no phones. Like, what, we just, like, wait for a police officer to show up? Like, that's not going to happen. Are we going to, like, hitchhike? Like, it's me and my mom. Like, I don't think so, you know? Yep. What are you going to do? Yeah. You got to accept Oof. help when it's there. Fuck. So in the foothills of the Sierra Nevada mountains outside of Sacramento, a hunter discovered the remains of a white female. Uh-oh. The remains were badly decomposed and had been scattered by animals, oh. but the police were able to find a skull, a torso, and some clothing. They found some black material that had been tied, a purple or blue blouse, a bra, a black half slip, a pair of underwear, some nylon material, and two high heel shoes. The clothes were similar to those that Charmaine was wearing on the night she disappeared three months earlier. Wow. Dental x-rays proved that the body was that of Charmaine and the cause of death was strangulation. The side seam from her blouse was cut and used as a ligature around her neck along with a piece of yellow nylon cord. Her pantyhose had been cut in two places and tied around her wrists. There were cuts made to her slip and the shoulder straps of her bra. And the cutting was like, so they said that usually when perpetrators mm-hmm. cut things, it's in a practical way. Mm-hmm. But this was like not practical at all. It wasn't like helpful. So it was it like really like someone was just like slashing unusual. It. No, they were like, it, it just didn't have like a purpose. Except oh. for if it's like this dude's fetish to cut clothes oh, and okay, hair. There's like he no just, purpose like, to like it. The, the cutting was the purpose, but not mm-hmm. like, oh, I'm going to oh. make this for ligature or something. Yeah. And then in the forensic files, they have like, you know, the cutting scissors that are like really expensive and nice. Yeah. They have like the ginghams and stuff. They had like those scissors. And I was like, oh, oh those are some nice scissors. I will say <laughs> it's not a fetish, but there is nothing like Satisfying cutting ass cutting fabric. fabric mm-hmm. with sharp mm-hmm. with fabric scissors. Oh, yeah. just that. I know, mm. it's so good. I do like that. So I could see that. 
<laughs> it is really satisfying for sure. Although it really pisses me off. It really bothers me when you go and you get a, a weave at like a woven fabric at okay. Joanne's. I'm and they you don't... going and getting like a, no, like no. a hair weave at Joanne's. I can't afford that. I can't no. afford that. <laughs> and instead of tearing the fabric, they cut it. Oh, yeah. And then it gets all wonky. I hate it. I just hate it. It's like, just tear it. Okay, anyway. Sorry. That is also a satisfying thing, ripping fabric. Yes. Mm -hmm. And it makes it so you can block it properly and you're not going to end up with like Distorted clothes. Anyway, I'm I'm done. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this is serious. Lessons from your seamstress. Joanne's employees. Just rip the Attention, fabric. Attention, Joanne's employees. Just rip it, okay? <laughs> Just. It'll be a lot easier for everyone. <laughs> it makes a lot more sense. Just rip it. But okay. I know how satisfying the of the shears can be. If it's a knit, do it. Do it all day. With the knits, I, yeah, that you yeah, have to but do it that way. Something more satisfying. Yeah, but about what about the, the, the yeah, but what about the of a woven? Wait, wait. What about the you snip it and then rip, rip it. it? That is good snip and rip. Yeah, I do like that. But yeah, it's not the same like no, no crunch satisfaction of the shears. Snip and rip. <laughs> <laughs> this PSA brought to you by your local seamstress Angela. Snip and rip. <laughs> Moving on. This was tragic. Okay. So, Charmaine's body had been found over 50 miles from where her car broke down. Wow. Geez. So, the first one was 20 miles. This one's 50 miles. Mm -hmm. So, the killer was particularly hard to catch because he didn't leave any fingerprints. He didn't leave any evidence that could tie him to the scene. He left behind, like, they said it was a clean crime scene. Mm -hmm. And he moved the bodies around a lot. So the mm. one was like 20 miles from her car. The other one was 50 miles from her car. Like, how are you going to, where's the crime scene? How are you going to like, that's just really hard. I don't so. know. Cause like part of that to me almost sounds like he's just getting a little bit more confident about like having their car for a longer period of time. He doesn't have their car at all. Oh, he picks them up where their car was and then... Yeah, they, they oh. pulled over because they've either broken down or they're looking for directions or whatever. And then he comes by, mm. picks them up, somehow gets them into his car and then drives them like far away. Gotcha. Okay, yeah, that's... Well. Yeah. So two weeks later, police were called to another homicide oh. 35 miles southeast of Sacramento. The victim had been strangled to death. She was hogtied with her own tank top. Oof. Her top and socks had been cut in the same way as the other victims, so they were pretty sure it was the same person. Mm. Dental records were able to identify the body as that of 20-year-old Laura Hedick. Mm. Laura had been with her boyfriend on April 21st, 1986, the night that she disappeared, in an area where sex workers were known to hang out. So sometimes she would... Sometimes she would do sex work if, like, she needed money or her mm -hmm. boyfriend needed money. And so this night, uh, her boyfriend and her decided that that's what she was going to do. So he saw her get into a car. It was like a white car with a man. Mm. And then he never saw her again. So her boyfriend took a polygraph test and he failed, uh -oh. which I feel like you're going to fail if you're doing illegal stuff anyway, you yeah, know? just... Mm. I just don't understand why they still offer them because it seems like, I mean, I know this is like the 80s, but it's still, it just yeah. seems like it's just not reliable and then it gives false leads and stuff. I feel like it could be, it could be a helpful tool if you can see if you're like actually rattling someone. Yeah. I 
don't know. I could see how it could be, or like intimidating or like, oh, will you take a polygraph? And if they're like, no, I won't, then before, before when people are like, don't do it, then maybe they could have been like, oh, suspicious. Whereas well, now, I, mean, I don't people, see why they would do it now. But well, That's why people still take them because they feel like it looks suspicious if they don't. If they don't, I know. I don't know. I don't know. But anyway. No. So, uh, so the police were like, you know, do we consider him a suspect? Because usually, like, it's the boyfriend, and he failed the lie detector. So they started, like, looking into him, and they were like, okay, we feel like these murders are all related. So let's, like, let's see if he's connected to, like, the other victims. But they decided eventually that, like, he wasn't wasn't a suspect. Hmm. Okay, so the police, like, they had nothing to go on, right? Because they're clean crime scenes. The bodies are being moved. They're not sure. Just, like, the weird cutting... Yeah, just That's, the cutting and the strangulation right. are like the, the Things that tie links. Huh. And they're like two different cars. Like one's the red sports car, one's a white car. So they're like, we know it's the same person, but we don't know how to get him. So they had police officers pose as sex workers in Sacramento mm. and act like their car had broken down on the I-5, like female police officers. Oh, wow. To catch him. Yeah. But the murders didn't stop. During huh. their sting operations, he was still murdering. Wow. So during this time, a man named Roger Kibbe was stopped on a routine traffic violation. Police thought he looked remarkably like the composite sketch of the suspect of the suspected murderer, of mm-hmm. the suspect murderer. <laughs> so much so that they photographed his car and they questioned him. Okay. Yeah. But they released him. Okay, but they have his information. Yeah. On Sunday, June 21st in 1987, in the woods of Deer Creek in Amador County, a family on a hiking trip found blood on a trail. The blood led to another victim. This is not the same thing, and I know this is so inappropriate to bring up at the time, but I don't know why the way that you're like, a family out on a hike (laughs) sees this terrible thing, and then it just reminded me of Ace Ventura when nature calls, and that whole family is out there and looking at the rhinos, and they're like, look, the rhino's giving birth, and it's naked Jim Carrey coming through the (laughs) hole. Sorry. I mean, an iconic scene for sure. <laughs> Not going to deny that. That was hilarious. <laughs> Maybe a much-needed break from this gruesome tale. Oh, yeah. I, I wanted them to see that instead of what they're going to see. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the victim was identified as 25-year-old Karen Finch. She was the mother of a two-year-old girl, and she was divorced. Her car was found near I-5, fully operational, Mm. and her sandals were still in the car. What? So police were like, if she was getting out of the car to, like, go for, like, a short... If she was getting out of the car for some reason, she was obviously not planning on going for, like, a walk or, like, being out of the car for long. Yeah, her shoes are in the car. Right. It's not like the I-5 is, like, lush with, like, moss. Right. And she's found on this trail, so obviously she didn't get there by her own choosing. Yeah. There was a piece of duct tape in her hair, which Uh led police to believe that that's why Stephanie Brown's hair had been cut, to make it easier to get the duct tape off. Yikes. And they were were like really happy because this was like the first thing that he actually left behind was this piece of duct tape. And they Uh knew that duct tape was like such a good, it like catches your fingerprints like so easily. But there were no fingerprints on the duct tape. Ah, fuck. 
So they figured that the duct tape, the killer had used duct tape to gag his victims. So they put it around the mouth and then around the hair. Right. And they would like cut it out uh, before he would leave. And then it so seems he's like... he's taking evidence too with him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it seemed like he knew about the duct uh-huh. tape being sticky and having leaving fingerprints. Mm-hmm. So then at the crime scene... They think that like something went wrong because instead of strangling Karen, he stabbed her with the oh. scissors, I believe, and then he he left that duct tape behind. So they were so like, something, something didn't different. go according to plan this huh. time. Uh, so based on where the bodies were found, it seemed like the killer made the women walk into isolated areas. There weren't any roads or places that you could park by closely, so they think that he like threatened them and made them like walk great distances into like these isolated areas. Hmm. So a few weeks later in 1987, another victim was found. It was the nude, decomposed body of 17-year-old Darcy Frankenpole. Shit. Darcy had run away from her home in Seattle, and her body was found in a deserted area of Highway 50 near Lake Tahoe. Side note, Roger Kibbe's brother lived in Lake Tahoe. Okay, connection. The cause of death was strangulation. Mm. Her blouse was tied around her neck with a wooden garret, 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 garret. And two pieces of nylon rope were found near her clothing. Okay. So there was rope left at her crime scene and one of the other crime scenes. Right. And so the police... Yellow nylon. Yeah. They investigated the rope to find out. They, like, asked rope experts to Whoa. find out, like, what kind of rope this was. Yeah. And they said that it was the type of rope used in parachute cords. Oh, that's very specific. Very specific. So all the police had was the killer's signature, which included the ropes, mm-hmm. the parachute ropes, and the weird cuts to the clothing. Okay. So they figured that he had to have a pair of scissors with him at every crime scene mm-hmm. and that he was using that specific parachute cord. Yeah. So before the end of the year in 1986, 25-year-old Catherine Kelly Quinones, Quinones disappeared. She was a mother of two. Holy a- shit. How many, how many women in how much time? It's basically... It's like more than six within basically a year, a little more than a year. Oh, okay. So he's just going. Like two a month, one another month, two another, like crazy. Mm. Okay. So then a few months later, in forensic files, they're like, oh, it was like a totally, uh, it was like a crime, not like the others or something. But I was like, no, this is definitely like (laughs) obvious. Okay. Anyway, so. In downtown Sacramento, oh. a woman named Deborah Guffey was picked up by a man. Mm. She was a sex worker. And when he parked the car at Hagen Oaks Golf Course. Oh, shit. Oh, hey. He got violent with her. He smashed her head into the dashboard and then he tried to handcuff her, but she was a fighter and she managed to get away and she ran away screaming. Holy shit. Then a police officer happened to be driving by and she flagged (gasps) him down. What are the chances? And the police officer spotted Roger Kibbe throwing a bag out the window. So he pulled him over. The bag 
had a garret, garret, garret. (laughs) (laughs) In the bag was a garret fashioned out of a pair of dowels Mm -hmm. and some parachute cord, a pair of scissors, Mm, a sex toy, some women's hair ties, and a pair of handcuffs. Sounds like a rape murder kit, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So officers arrested 48-year-old Roger Kibbe for assault. He was tried on charges of battery and solicitation and sentenced to eight months in jail for the attack on Deborah. In the meantime, they were trying to like get more evidence to frame, to not frame him. <laughs> trying to get more evidence <laughs> to be able to charge him, him with him. murder. Yeah. To There's frame no framing him. I mean, I like, what? <laughs> <laughs> so basically they have like eight months to do this, right? So. Yeah. So the different stories, some say that Roger Kibbe was the manager of a public storage facility, uh-huh. and then other people said that he made and sold furniture. I'm not sure. Could be both. He was married to a woman named Harriet, and he had a daughter from an earlier marriage, and they lived east of San Francisco. So I don't know exactly where, but... Okay. I also read that he lived in Citrus Heights, I think. Well, I mean, that is east of San Francisco, like really east. I know, like like Sacramento area. I know. I don't know. So a background check revealed that he had been arrested when he was 15 Uh for stealing women's underwear off of clotheslines. (laughs) Okay, so he'd steal women's underwear off of clotheslines. He would cut the underwear in a particular way with his mother's scissors. Ew, that's creepy. His mother's scissors. I know they said that. I was like, that's so creepy. I have that's to say it. Gross. <laughs> it's really gross. Although uh, if they were nice fabric shears. Could have know, been. She they pro- could have been. He probably didn't know where to get them. I mean, we destroyed all of our mother's nice fabric scissors. <laughs> Kibby had told police that he had a terrible relationship with his mother. Mm-hmm. She was abusive and she would beat him. His mom was domineering, and his second wife, Harriet, was also said to be domineering. Mm. Also, she's interviewed in the Forensic Files if you want to watch it. He was also teased and bullied at school. Mm. He, like, had a lisp when he was little, and I guess the kids would, like, tease him about it. And that's, like, all the background I could get from him. Mm. He was also a skydiver. Oh. So parachute cords, right? And his brother was a homicide detective in Nevada. So police had oh. suspected for a long time that he had inside knowledge about crime scene investigation techniques. Oh, that's right. Because yeah. of the duct tape and because he always uh-huh. left a clean crime scene. And and because, like, I guess when they're getting a little more sophisticated with, uh, like, DNA, he left one person in a culver or whatever where there was water. Yeah. So it's kind of like with the green, yeah. the green River Killer, where they knew that like he was paying attention DNA. because he started leaving bodies like in the river as opposed to like on dry land. So, Rod, if you feel like your skin is dry land central, you should check out Humble Beer Herbals Lotion. Moisturize with their great products. They don't use any chemicals. They don't use anything weird. It's all natural. It's all good. Also, the weather—well, not today—the <laughs> weather is warming up. And you don't want those cracked, dry, land central heels in your sandals. So try out their Ew, uh, foot salve. Happy yeah, you don't want those foot salve. gross. You don't want your gross feet. <laughs> Let's cure them up with some happy feet foot salve. And foot soak. And coming soon, a pumice soap that will scrub that stuff right off. 
So check them out, HumblebeeHerbal.com. Get your products at HumblebeeHerbal.com. Promo code CRYMINI20 at checkout for 20% off your first order. HumblebeeHerbal.com. Okay, so Roger Kibbe also owned two different cars. One was a dark sports car, similar to the one that picked up Charmaine. And the Uh other was the white car that picked up Laura Hedick. In the white car, police found some rope with a garrote uh-huh. tied to the ends, a set of handcuffs, and scissors. Hmm. So he has multiple kits. Yeah, he threw one out the window. Yeah. He has to have one for each car plus, you know. Plus one for his fanny pack. Plus you got to always replenish your like ropes and your duct well, tape. Yeah, and you're going to leave the garage and you might as well get new scissors all the time too because they get dull really quickly if you don't take care of them. You know, but that's if you're cutting things that aren't That's fabric. right. That's right. Only cut fabric with fabric scissors. We get it, mom. Yeah. We know now. Yeah. yeah, stop telling us. We know. <laughs> we know. <laughs> After we've destroyed how many scissors? <laughs> Uh, I just remember like cutting like paper and my mo- and then mom would be like, oh, are those my fabric scissors? And we're like, uh, they're the only ones we could find. And she's like, well, now they're paper scissors. Great. I have to go buy more. Yeah. Ruin them. And fabric scissors are expensive. If you get good ones, they are. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Anyway. anyway. Back to murder. So they finally knew who the serial killer was, obviously. Finally. There's just one problem. There was what? no evidence tying him to the crimes. Shit. Uh-huh. Un- it's just all circumstantial right now. Until oh? a criminalist found two carpet fibers on Darcy Frankenpole's dress. Whoa. They were blue, triangular in shape, and made of nylon. <gasps> they matched the carpet found in Roger Kibbe's car. Yes. The criminalist also noticed something that had been overlooked. What? So she she was like, because I'm a woman, I know that when pantyhose come off, they come off inside out. Okay. I don't think it takes a woman to well, figure that out. Well, no one else figured it out until she was like, I bet if I turn these pantyhose right side out, I'm going to find some fiber on them. So she did. It's mean, awesome that she did, but, I, but isn't it? It's basically like taking off a sock. It's going to come inside out when you take a sock off. Well, I was trying to—I th- was trying to think about that actually, because with with socks, like I usually try to get—you know—you get the toe, you get the band going, and then you get the toe. Because if you uh, just pull them off the wrong—if you pull them off the wrong way, then they're gonna like not get washed in the washer very well. Well, I guess my socks are all stinky and not getting washed. Well, I learned well. that one from Dad because he would always be like, "Oh, you're like cleaning the inside of your sock <laughs> or whatever." I don't know. <laughs> I know, so that's why I think with tights, I try and do the same thing, but usually, like, nylons are such a bitch to get on and off. You just, like, Mm. pull them the fuck off. So, anyway, she was thinking outside the box. She was the only one that thought about this. Yeah, yeah. No, that's good. So she, she, when she turned them the right way, she found fibers that she compared with the fibers in Kibby's car and found a match. Oh, nice. So these two women had been in his car. Then she compared the ropes found at Darcy's crime scene to the ropes found mm-hmm. in Kibby's car and in his storage shed. And they all they were all like the same ropes, but they also all had these like tiny paint particles on the cord that mm. meant that someone had been like spray painting in the vicinity of those ropes. So they were okay. unique. It wasn't like any other 
cord. Couldn't just go buy that somewhere. Yeah, you could buy the cord, but it wouldn't have the paint spots. Right. So, on March 18, 1991, Roger was found guilty of the murder of Darcy Frankenpole. He was sentenced to 25 years to life. So I think that they chose Darcy because it was the like most solid case they had. Yeah, yeah, because they had actual evidence con connecting him personally. Right, that she Whoa. had been in his car. So Kibby had also apparently confessed to his wife shortly after his arrest. He told uh -huh. her that he had killed four people. Oh. She said that they both cried and okay. that he said he didn't know why he killed them. Okay. He was taken to Pleasant Valley State Prison, which what a lovely name. Pleasant. And he said to a guard escorting him to his cell that he had killed a few women, adding, what's the big deal? Yikes. Uh, yeah. So he also went on to share that his method of picking victims involved driving up and down the interstate until he found a likely candidate and then driving ahead of her, pretending to be disabled or preying upon her if she stopped to help. He also targeted... How, okay, wait, wait, how okay. do you drive and pretend so would, to be disabled? No, no, he would like drive ahead and like <laughs> pretend his car was breaking down or something and then be like, oh, oh like someone stop and help me or whatever. Or he would prey upon her if she had stopped well, that's like really too. interesting. I mean, not interesting, but it's weird because you would assume, I don't know, I assume most women, if they see a dude broken down, they're just going to drive right past. But not if you're like a kind person who's like concerned. You might stop and be like, hey, do you want me to take you to like a payphone or do you want me to like drive you to a mechanic or something? I guess it's different before cell phones and stuff. Yeah. I feel like there was still, I mean, not all guys know how to work on cars, you know? No, I know, but, well, it's not necessarily that they would work on cars, but just, like, I'm a woman alone in my car. I'm not going to pull over with some dude I don't know yeah. and try and help him. Well, unless you're, like, a nice person, like I said, and you pull over and you're kind of like, hey, do you want me to, like, drive ahead and, like, ask for help or something? Yeah. Do you need yeah, help? Like, if you're a, a nice person? I don't know. Or, like I said, he would if she, if she had stopped for help, mm -hmm. then he would, like, prey upon her. And he also targeted sex workers. Right. He'd pose as a customer or client, and then he would, like, lure women to his car. Mm. So his first murder took place in September 1977. Kibby placed a job posting at a business trade school in San Francisco. Oh, man. The job obviously didn't exist. It was a way for him to lure a victim. 21-year-old. I know. 21-year-old. She's trying to make some money. I know. It's so fucking low. 21-year-old Lou Ellen Burley. She responded to the ad and was last seen leaving her home in Walnut Creek for a job interview. Uh. Kibby told her that his office was under construction, so they had to meet in his van. Nope. Hell no. Then he drove her to Lake Berryessa in Napa, Ugh. where he raped her and strangled her. He dumped her body in a nearby riverbed. Ugh. He was briefly considered a suspect in that case, but charges were never filed. And Lou Ellen's remains were found over 30 years later. Do you know what connected, like why they thought it was him? 
I'm not sure why they questioned him. Maybe because she, because last they knew she was responding to a job interview, and maybe, and maybe the phone number was his. Yeah, maybe they tracked it that way, but they had no evidence. They like questioned right. him, but they had nothing. Because he could have like, been like, "Yeah, she came to the interview and then she left." Or he could have been like, "Yeah, I like we had an interview, but then I." Like told, I like canceled or like I didn't show up or whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's so. Or she showed yeah. up and I was like, oh, I already hired someone or any, you know, Anything, any excuse. Yeah. So they, so they couldn't try him for that murder, and they were unable to try him for the I five murders until DNA evidence linked Kibby to two other murders, and then he confessed to four more in exchange for prosecutors not to seek the death penalty. Whoa. So in March 2008, he was indicted on six counts of murder and multiple special circumstances, which made him eligible for the death penalty. He pled guilty to the murders of Lou Ellen Burley, Laura Hedick, Barbara Ann Scott, Stephanie Brown, Charmaine Sabra, and Catherine Kelly Quinones. Holy shit. Catherine Finch was also one of Kibby's victims, but her case was not uh-huh. included in the group because unlike the others, she had been stabbed and her throat had uh- been slashed. So because the other ones were only linked by like yeah. the strangulation yeah. and like the common pattern, because something happened in her right. case, they were like, we're not going to be able to get him for this. So they wanted, yeah, they wanted to make it seem like he has this solid pattern. So then, we want to get him for as many as we can, but then, yeah, the outliers we can't. can't. Leave any doubt. Yeah. yeah. So on September 29th, 2009, Kibby pled guilty to the rape and murders of those six women. Mm-hmm. And a little over a month later, he was sentenced to six consecutive life terms. Shit. As part of his plea deal, Kibby agreed to help investigators locate the body of his first victim, Lou Ellen Burley. So for two years, they searched the Lake Berryessa area diligently. Sometimes they'd bring him with them. They'd like get a McDonald's. Oh, how nice. And they'd take him for an outing. Yeah, I'd like, okay. I understand. I had this conversation with mom and dad. Like I understand people want to know like what happened to their loved ones and they want to find their yeah. bodies and all of that. But this guy's getting like special outings and special treatment so and McDonald's be like, for two years. Yeah, so of course he's going to be like, oh, I'll, I know where it is. I'll tell you. I'll take you. I like, like should oh, oh, not. I, I'll, I know something else. Here, let's go to McDonald's Oh, you know what? I'm like not remembering today. I guess this is kind of like a loss. Maybe tomorrow I'll remember more. Mm-hmm. It's just like they should not get special treatment. And then they just feel like more empowered and like better about what they did. Because they're like, oh, yeah, I'll yep. help find. I'll get out of here for like a day in a beautiful like they, they, They're like manipulating the, the system it's by such like bullshit. getting what they want. Yep. And yep. then so for two years they searched. And then the train had changed so much basically over the 30 years. So he was of little help. Of course. Mm. So he'd be like, oh, yeah, I think I recognize this, but, you know, it's changed so much. So I don't know. So finally, in 2011, DNA testing confirmed a piece of bone pulled from a creek, a creek bed, belonged to Lou Ellen Burley. They found, like, a tiny a piece, piece of, of bone. bone. Her remains wow. were later laid to rest in Klamath County, Oregon, where she was born. So as for Roger Kibbe, so they think they think that he's definitely committed way more murders because his yeah. first murder was in 1977. And then yeah. like 
he didn't really start again until 1986. So they think during that span of time, yeah. he definitely had to have been like murdering definitely. people. So they don't even know like how many he actually killed. Ugh, and we'll never fuck. know because at 12.45 a.m. on February 28th or March 1st, 2021, mm -hmm. a guard conducting a head count at Mule Creek State Prison in Amador County found Kibby, 81, lying on the floor of his cell. His cellmate, Jason Boudreau, 40, was standing over him. Boudreau, a self-described Satanist and sex offender with a 666 tattoo over his right eye. <laughs> That's some good alliteration right there. <laughs> was convicted in 2011 of strangling his then-girlfriend in Riverside County. He Great. had strangled Roger Kibbe, his cellmate, to death. I mean... I'm not mad, but it would have been nice Poetic if he justice, a little bit more. For sure. You know. Also, how many people did he murder? Yeah. Well, but it's not like, I, I doubt that we would have known anyway. No, He's he wasn't gonna, telling. Like, tell I know. Well, it's kind of like the whole, like, Ted Bundy when he was, like, trying to stave off the the death penalty and he's like, oh, I'll mm -hmm. tell you more, I'll tell you more. But he was like yeah. jerking people around, like lying yep. and like just manipulating. It just gives them more time to manipulate. Like, you know that, you know he dropped her off at Lake Berryessa. You know that that's where her body was yep. left. Don't be taking yep. him out there. Like go search yep. on your own. Don't take him out there and get a McDonald's and do the whole thing. Like that's, mm -hmm. you can't trust them. You can't trust these people. No, no. And they don't deserve like an outing. They've been users forever mm -hmm. like they're just going to continue to use and manipulate and get what they want so that's the and story they, of the i5 ugh. strangler ugh. i mean i always told mom that she was lucky to have survived <laughs> sacramento in the 70s yeah but the 80s too <laughs> yeah just in general just like being a young woman in sacramento area like ever but mostly in like the 70s and 80s yeah she fucking survived <laughs> Fuck. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The tossed salad and the scrambled egg. A tossed salad, a scrambled egg. Well, obviously this guy is a tossed salad. Yeah, dude sucks. Also, everyone when they were like, they're like, oh, he, he has like this giant nose. And I looked at pictures. I was like, his nose is like not that prominent of a feature. I don't really think he has a giant nose. Maybe it's the way he carried himself. Maybe it's the way he carried his nose. <laughs> he had big nose energy. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I don't know. But, yeah. So. Wow. Yep. What a shitty shithead. Yes. If you want to watch The Forensic Files, it's called Not For Everyone. K-N-O-T. <laughs> They're so clever. <laughs> so penny I was reading the story and I was like I know there's a forensic files about this like I know there is I like vaguely remember it and I looked it up and I was like yes <laughs> <laughs> fucking writing this down Fuck yeah. anyway it probably could have been way more well researched and all of that but as you know this week was a very busy week and it was good I did what I could and I just wish that I had more information we, on the women well, that he murdered yeah. but are you ready for crime when he says? Oh, God, yes. <laughs> and now for the portion that we like to call crime when he says, where we tell you silly stories about crime 
I got this one from theleafchronicle.com. Clarksville, Tennessee. A Clarksville man was arrested Wednesday after he urinated in Walmart while trying to put a package of trout in his trousers. <laughs> whoa, and- whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> what? Like it was an accident? Mm, no. Uh, then he told police officer that he wasn't concerned because his crimes were only misdemeanors, according to an arrest warrant. Clarksville police were called to the store at 2315 Madison Street at 1.33 p.m. Wednesday. A worker told an officer that the suspect, David Wiley, was seen urinating on the sales floor near the alcohol while trying to put a package of trout in his pants. He's just multitasking. And he then attempted to leave the store without paying. So the store yeah. worker's like watching him as he's doing this? <laughs> like, tries and to, like, calling the police. Walk away. No, but I mean like someone's like watching him do this yeah. and he's just well, like What are you supposed to do? Just tries to walk away anyway. You're not gonna walk up to someone. Why are you peeing on the floor? <laughs> and putting something in your pants simultaneously. Well, he wasn't concerned because it was a misdemeanor, according to him. Mm-hmm. He also said that he had been consuming alcohol. He repeatedly stated to the officer that he was not concerned with being cited for either offense because they were misdemeanors. Why trap? Wiley, uh, why? I have so <laughs> many questions. Asking the real questions. I have so many questions. <laughs> Wiley's statements, as well as the detection of alcohol, led me to believe that the offenses were likely to continue, the officer wrote. <laughs> Wiley, 56, was arrested and charged was with shoplifting, Wiley. vandalism. Indecent exposure and public intoxication. The warrant said that the value of the items he attempted to take was $130. No. And and the vandalism was estimated at $10. It's like $130 worth of trout trout? he was shoving in his pants. No wonder he was going for that trout. It was like pricey stuff. What, have like caviar inside? Gilded trout. Yeah, what? (laughs) Walmart trout, first of all, you're taking trout from a Walmart. That's like not a good plan. Second of all, how much how much trout did he put in his pants? $130 worth of trout. I feel like that's a lot of trout. I know seafood's expensive. I get it, but that expensive? I mean, either that or maybe like he peed on some stuff that they like, you know, added Threw to the away because they're like, that's well, yeah. gross. Yeah, yeah. Maybe he hit some, like, alcohol bottles. Yeah, because otherwise that's some He's been, like, four trout. trees of trout. Like, <laughs> <laughs> How big were his pants, really? How big were these trout fillets? <laughs> were they, like, the whole so fish? Oh, my yeah. God. What if they're, like, the whole fish? Yes. That's what I'm picturing. <laughs> Did his pants have elastic at the band, at like, the, at the you bottom? You have to. If you're, if you're shoplifting, yeah. shoving things in your pants, yeah. you've got to. Yeah. <laughs> Trap that trout before they get out. Yeah. <laughs> Trap that trout. Don't let it out. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. So that's cool. <laughs> yeah. How big were these pants? I have so many questions. Mm-hmm. How big were the pants? The visual, though, is like what really. He's like in, makes he me like happy. grabs the trout. He's headed to the alcohol aisle with trout in his hands. He no, stands I think in front he's of the like alcohol. peeing through the alcohol aisle. He's like walking, peeing, like actively. Walking, 
walking through the alcohol aisles, just spraying okay, it. Okay, so I was imagining him like staring at like some alcohol on a what shelf. What am I gonna get? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then peeing while like putting the trout in his pants, like, oh, I mean, I guess I could get more whiskey. Oh, maybe I should switch to beer. Well, I mean, in that case, maybe because like he's got to empty his bladder so that he yeah. can get some more alcohol. Well, and also make more room in his pants for the. Yeah, he's just trout. being efficient, really. Yeah. You don't want to get pee on to the do? trout, though. Yeah. Well, they're wrapped in plastic. I can't imagine that they're like just loose trout. <laughs> oh, man. Gross. Yeah. Okay, this other one is from squeakly.com. Arizona officers received a report of a man that appeared to be kidnapped on February 10th. The alleged victim was supposed was supposed to hang out near the Coolidge Water Tower. When the officers arrived at the alleged crime scene, they did find a man in unusual condition. He was having a bandana stuffed in his mouth and his hands were bound behind his back with a belt. The man reportedly told police that two masked men hit his head, knocked him unconscious, and kidnapped him. He then went on to say that they were driving him around in a vehicle for a while until they dropped him off at the spot the police found him. The, detective, the detectives conducted an extensive investigation of the allegations, but they failed to find anything that would support the statement. In fact, they actually found evidence showing that his story was clearly fabricated. Oh, no. The man was arrested on February 17th and is facing trial for fa false reporting to police. During an interview with the officers, he reportedly admitted that he made up the story to avoid work. <laughs> That is elaborate. Well, I mean, you figure with, you know, with a kidnapping, you could at least get a week off. At least. Maybe they'll pay for some therapy, too. I don't know. That is so elaborate. He must really hate his job. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or he's running out of excuses. Oh, my God. Maybe. Oh, yeah. Maybe he's one of those people who just, like, escalates. Their stories, yeah. you know, they keep like getting more and more week, insane. Like a yeah, like a pathological died, liar. And they're like, oh, well, I've killed off my entire yeah. family. I've gone to all their funerals. I can't do that. Yeah. I guess oh. I have to uh, kidnap myself. Sounds like that person does need some help. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh. Okay, and then here's a short one from the New York Daily News. The double DUI arrest happened in East Nashville, Tennessee. Uh -oh. Another Tennessee one. Shortly Tennessee. after midnight, Thursday morning. Police say Natasha Nansel, 24, admitted she's had a glass of wine and, a, and an espresso martini at the Fox Ooh. Bar before driving her car into a trench oh. after checking her cell phone. She oh. reportedly ca called her friend Melvin Arndt for assistance. When the 30-year-old man arrived oh to help God. Nansel, cops drunk. say he, he struck oh. her vehicle. Oh my Police God. said... Aren't oh confessed to consuming two beers before driving. Oh, just two? He, re he reportedly blew a 0. .191 oh, blood alcohol. How strong were those beers? <laughs> and Nansel, Nansel registered at a 0. .179, and the legal limit is 0. .08. So they both got DUIs. Uh, they're both like double, <laughs> like over double the legal limit. Like that's pretty drunk. Like, Fuck, can you come get me? I'm I'm stuck in a ditch. Like, all right. <laughs> I mean, I'm glad they didn't other. like I'm glad they didn't hurt themselves or anyone else, yeah, but like, yeah. what the but, fuck? Uh, 
That must have been a tricky spot to navigate. Uh, seriously, what the hell? It's like, I can't see you. I can't see you yet. Oh, oh there you are. <laughs> there you are. <laughs> now we got to call the cops. Damn it. <laughs> oh, my God. What idiots. Yeah. So that's great. <laughs> Two beers, my ass. <laughs> what the fuck? Two, maybe they were those, the 40 the ounce. triples. Uh, those like Belgian the, triples the tr- are like yeah, nine point whatever ounce, percent, twelve yeah. percent even. A twelve percent, yeah. In a forty. Two twelve percent forties. I don't know. I was just playing Edward Forty Hands, and then I got the call. I'm not yeah. drunk at all. I'm fine. They're still taped to his hands. <laughs> and then he's like, "I just came from Walmart, where I was peeing and buying fish. I don't know Anybody what's happening." Anybody want any trout? <laughs> <laughs> we can start a little trout cookout here on the side of the road. Trout it's real nice. cookout. <laughs> <laughs> Who's got the 40s in their pants? Let's do this. <laughs> <laughs> Let's call some more friends over. They can all crash their cars. And bring everyone bring something different to this potluck. <laughs> Stop by the Walmart on your way out. <laughs> oh God, Tennessee, what's happening? <laughs> well, at least we got a break from Florida. That's good. Yeah, at least well, at least Florida got a break. <laughs> yeah, for the crime and sakes. Yeah. Well. Well. That was a wild romp of a ride. I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> wild romp. Thanks for listening. Hey, thanks for checking us out. Rate, review, subscribe, and check out our sponsors, Humblebee Herbal, and use code CRIMINY20 at checkout to get 20% off your first order at humblebeeherbal.com. Check them out. They have new stuff every month, so get excited. We'll talk at you next week. We will. We'll speak at you next week. Goodbye. Goodbye. Oops, 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 oops. Yep, we got a lot of that. God, what is this, the witching hour? Accolations for accolades. I can't even modulate my own voice. Smoking dope. Oh, I heard that one. He had big nose energy.